The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, February 26, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And before we get into some of the notable results from the past two nights, and before we look ahead to the weekend, I did want to spend some time on the two-page document the NCAA released Thursday afternoon detailing how they'll handle COVID issues once the NCAA tournament bracket is set on March 14th. The simple version is this. Once the bracket is set, if a team has to be removed because of COVID issues, it will be replaced as long as the development happens in the subsequent 48 hours of the bracket being set. And the way it'll work is is interesting. If the team that has to be removed is an automatic qualifier from a one-bid league. It'll simply be replaced by a team from the same league. In other words, if the Sun Belt's automatic qualifier has to be removed, the Sun Belt will simply send another team. That makes perfect sense to me. Now, here's where it gets interesting. If the team that has to be removed is from a multi-bid league, like the Big Ten or the ACC, it'll be replaced by the first team left out of the field. And the first four teams left out of the field will be revealed on Selection Sunday during the selection show. And understand, the first team left out of the field won't just replace said team in the tournament. They'll actually just slide right into that team's slot, which means what I'm about to tell you is, is theoretically possible. Duke could be the first team left out of the field. Michigan could get a number one seed on Selection Sunday. Then Michigan has an outbreak on Monday, and it's determined the Wolverines can't play. So Michigan is out, and now Duke is in, and now Duke is a number one seed playing a number 16 seed in the round of 64. Yes, a school could legit be left out of the bracket one day and be a one seed in the same bracket the next. It's wild. Either way, come Tuesday night after Selection Sunday, we're done. Come Tuesday night, the field is set. And after that, if a team can't play, it can't play. And it's out of the bracket and its opponent simply advances, which means you could, again, theoretically, go to the Sweet 16 without ever even playing a game. I think that mostly covers it. You wrote about it for CBSSports.com. What do you think about how the NCAA decided to handle these possible COVID situations? Uh, Pretty well. You notice the one thing that's not in there, though, right? What was the one thing that was not in this release? They did not say d- definitely that the Final Four will be played on that Saturday, and if a team has an outbreak, then you just go to the championship game. They left that out of the document, and then on Inside College Basketball on CBS Sports Network last night, we had Dan it on, and Brent Stover, um, a former uh, uh, Big 12 competitive jogger, he um, asked Dan Gavitt, what about the Final Four? We know that if we have an outbreak in the round of 32, that team is just going, that, that team's removed and its opponent advances to the Sweet 16. 
But what about the final four? If a team has an outbreak, say, on the Thursday before the final four, what do we do? And Dan said, we haven't determined that yet. So that was at least interesting what was left unsaid. Uh, my prediction on that is that if you have a team that cannot play in the final four national championship game but could reasonably uh, get back to competitive action in a, in a window that isn't elongated, that they would delay the final four in title game. That is my prediction. Would you agree with that prediction? Yes, I mean they're not. You're not going to take a final four game off if you don't have to. Exactly, that's the it's the three biggest games of the season. So they they haven't decided that yet. Clearly, they have to figure out um, what the processes would be uh, regarding that. But uh, we we simply await on when that will be uh, made official, and if in fact it's made that way. Um, so and the, the, and the only thing I would say is determine it before you get going oh yeah you, and that they will do, I, they have to. I, I, yeah. I of course they will but like you do not want a scenario where you haven't said how you'll handle that situation and then a team gets an outbreak and now we've got a big debate going on not like just establish it before we before the ball is tipped establish it yes um my overall takeaways from this uh one I remember when I wrote, I wrote something way back, like September of last year. That was, we had a we had a three part series about how to hold the season, how to hold the you know you you covered the regular season, I covered um, I think some stuff with conference play, I don't remember, and then I did something about the tournament, and I remember thinking to myself, when we get to this thing next season, like are they going to really allow a team to advance in the bracket if it doesn't have to uh, achieve a victory to do so? And I offered up a few different kind of ways you could. Do get around that, but I remember thinking they're probably just going to let a team move on uh, if it gets to that point. And that is what they have done here. Um, for the most part, it seems like everyone saw the news, acknowledged it. Uh, there's some interesting thoughts on it. There's there's definitely, um, I appreciate your Duke, Michigan, because that's I tweeted out that exact scenario there. Um, certainly, if we were to, listen, if that were to happen, by the way, if Duke were to not make the tournament, and then we're to get in in this scenario and replace whatever team, whatever team on whatever seed line perish. I mean, no, I want it to be a one seed. I want Duke to. I want Duke out of the tournament on Sunday, one seed on Monday. I don't listen. <laughs> I don't want to see any team not be able to play in the tournament because of this. And I'll get to that second that notion in just a second there. But if we do have Duke or Carolina that's sitting there as, as team sixty nine, nice or seventy, that will obviously be fascinating um but here are my thoughts i don't even think this is going to happen that window is tight and gavitt mentioned this you get the bracket sunday 6 p.m hour eastern right you have to have a team that's confirmed in the bracket by sunday then have enough rash of positive tests to eliminate it from competition by the tuesday 6 p.m hour that 48 hour window is it perish i don't think this is happening i don't I, not that it can't or that it won't i think the odds are against it if it does happen it's going to have happened because hello conferences insisted on playing their conference tournaments right up against selection sunday and a team would have collected positive tests unknowingly uh or and caught covid 2 3 5 days before they're good until they get to indianapolis and then suddenly there's an outbreak that's why this scenario happens it can happen but I don't think we're going to have a replacement team in the field. I think we're more likely to have a vacant spot in the field and a team advance without playing an opponent than have a team replace. Agree or disagree? I agree uh, because the window for that, having a vacant team, a team removed from the bracket and it's 
and its opponent just advanced, the window for that is much wider than the window for actually replacing a team in the bracket in the 48 hours subsequent to the bracket being set. So I, I think I'm with you on this. I think this is going to be something that is a big topic of discussion, and it's going to be something that is wild on Selection Sunday. We've never seen anything like this. Like mm-hmm. Greg Gumbel's going to say, and the number one overall seed is Gonzaga, and then we're going to do that whole dance, and then it'll be in. The first team out is, I'm just throwing teams out there, doesn't yeah. even matter, Duke, and the second team out is Seton Hall, and the third team out is Ole Miss, and the fourth team out is Utah State. I don't know. And and then what a weird situation you're in because you're back on your campus, and you're going through NCAA tournament testing protocols, and you're still like living the way you need to live, and in a weird, twisted way, you were hoping somebody gets sick somewhere. I know. <laughs> what a weird thing. It's, it's you're, you're absolutely right. Um, hopefully we don't get there. The other thing, by the way, so the other thing that, that Dan Gavitt, and I don't know if he dropped it in the Inside College Basketball. I watched two interviews with him last night. The Inside College Basketball one, and then he did one with Cats for uh, NCAA.com. I haven't seen this discussed anywhere yet. The other reason why we we might be highly likely to not lose a team, period. Are you aware that the rule for the tournament will be that a team will be eligible to play if it has five players? That's all you need. You need to have, a, would, you need I mean, to have would, a starting five, no bench players, and you can right. play a tournament game. Were you aware yeah, of that? I would, I, I mean, I would—I was not aware. Like, I didn't read that, but I would assume that's true. Like, what team would not want to play if you got five you can put on the floor? I know. Well, like, like, let's give it a shot. Some conferences you have to have a minimum of seven this year or six. So there actually has been a rule that if you if you only have five, you can't play. It, it is a no contest there for the NCAA tournament. Uh, this is how it's basically doing everything imaginable within, you know logic and relative rationale uh, to be able to have a team play uh, its turn. So if you, for whatever reason, have four scholarship players and one walk-on, and that's it, you're playing a tournament game. If you have five, you can go. And so that's why also, as we talk about all of this stuff, and when you consider that the NCAA, how it is making teams travel, and when it comes to supervision, I don't I don't even know, Parrish. Like I, when they eat, when they're in uh, the hotels, they're going to have designated spaces, everyone's going to have to be masked up so that if you have a positive test or two, basically the health officials and the contact tracers can say, no, they were masked up and there wasn't more than 15 combined minutes where they were around each other where they're wearing this Connexon stuff. And so, yeah, that's why they're still going to be eligible. Um, Talking to people two, three, four weeks ago, just a few people around college athletics, their prediction was the 68 teams that quote-unquote should be in the tournament, the 68 teams that in a normal year would be in the field, uh, all 68 of those teams will not play an NCAA tournament game. I agreed with them then. I'm more likely to agree with them now, but I'm like 51-49 now. When I'm now learning about just how many things are going to be put in place for the NCAA here, and when I learned you only need five dudes to run it, to roll the ball out and get a game in, I, th- I there might be a couple of games here where we're talking about like what's going on, but I think they're going to do as best they possibly can to to protect against this. And uh, and clearly the Thursday news what, what was what we were waiting for. We were waiting for what are you going to do with positive tests if teams get knocked out? Uh, how are you going to advance there? And now we uh and now we have all of our answers or most of our answers. Um, I would actually make the minimum one player. Okay. If you have one player you can play, and I would root for Mac McClung to have to play USC by himself. That's what I want. I want a round of 32 game bet- between USC and Mac McClung. How much fun would that be? 
Stop. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? I just think it'd it's be absurd. Like, it would be absurd. <laughs> you imagine just, a one on five? Yeah, Mac McClung against USC. That's what I want to see. Um, I just I so I let me be clear. I am all for this purely for the theater of it. Like the idea that a team, any team, it doesn't. Have, we keep saying Duke because that's the best story. Yeah. But like Duke might be in the field. I think Duke will be in the field. But like any team sitting around, like okay, all right, guys. Um, we just need an outbreak somewhere, and we're in. Like, let's just – and you're, you're, like, you're, you're on Twitter all day long just hoping for breaking news. There's been an outbreak at Oklahoma. We're in. We're in. I hope Lon Kruger's okay. I mean, it's just a wild mix of emotion. Like, you're actually – the NCAA has put you in a position to root for illness within another basketball team. That's what it is. It's uh, it'll be bizarre. And by the way, those teams would be the, all the 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 top seeds of the NIT, um, and then they would stay on their campuses until. That's the other reason why we don't know the schedule yet for the NIT. We should know it if not today, then Monday by the latest. Um, so that if once the Tuesday night deadline hits, Paris, then it. I don't know when the NIT is starting, but when they need to travel, they'll be able to travel. They'll know their opponents and all that stuff. My last thing on this, by the way, and then you can say what you want. We can move on, uh, but. This was no surprise to me at all. Um, the specific reason why it, the bracket is going to be set up this way and one of the very first things the NCAA made mention, once the bracket is finalized and released, teams will not be reseeded, nor will the bracket change. The NCAA is not about to say the bracket you see on Sunday night and the one you print out if you have a printer or the one you log your picks on on your CBS Sports app is not going to be the bracket that exists on Wednesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That ain't going to be it. They That bracket has to stay the same with the potential exception of swapping out a team on a seed line. And so that's why if you're the first team and a four seed gets booted, then you go into that four seed line. So thought that was worth mentioning there. The NCAA was never going to have a situation where the bracket would look different on different days. You were asking for calamity across the board if you were to do that. Okay, this is where you and I disagree then because I think they should have reseeded. Like, there's plenty of time. And like, first, first off, nobody prints anything out anymore. So, so stop it. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's somebody hitting a refresh on a bracket at cbssports.com and boom, we got a fresh bracket. Plus it would have been whatever the, you know, the bracket has to be locked in, you know, Tuesday night. So we still lock it in Tuesday night. We're not even playing a game till Thursday. If people are really printing things out, you got plenty of time to print it out before the games get started. Here's my issue. And again, I'm I'm not ranting and raving against this because I love the theater of the system that is now in place. The idea that a team is sitting on a campus rooting for illness on another campus is wild to me. So I'm going to enjoy those 48 hours um, just, again, for the theater. But this is not the way I would have done it. I would have, if we've got to pull a team out, we pull that team out, we put the team in that we need to put in, and then we reseed that at, at the very least we reseed that region and then bracket principles. If we have to go other places, we go other places, but whatever, because here's the issue. I know that the NCAA says because any team, any at large team that's replaced will be replaced by a team that was left out of the bracket. Therefore a inferior team that no team that would be on the opposite side of this would be at a competitive disadvantage. Like you, you're not going to, we're not going to take your opponent and give you an opponent. That's obviously better. Right. In fact, based on our evaluations, we're giving you a team that is obviously worse. I get that, but it, it doesn't mean it doesn't 
compromise the integrity of the bracket elsewhere in other possible ways. I haven't seen Jerry Palm's updated bracket this morning. I'm assuming he'll have one. But last night I went and looked at it, and it's, it's outdated. It's a few days old. So it wouldn't be like this when he updated it. But it, the point will remain the same. In one region right now, he's got Gonzaga as the one seed, Oklahoma as the two, Iowa as a three, and Tennessee as a four. And the first team out of his bracket, again, the last bracket I looked at late last night, was Seton Hall. So let's say Gonzaga has an outbreak five hours after the bracket is set, and the Zags are removed from the bracket, which would be incredible. But, like, again, just play along. The Zags are removed from the bracket. Seton Hall replaces Gonzaga, and now Seton Hall is the one seed in that region. So now the four seed in that region, Tennessee, theoretically has an easier path to the Elite Eight than the number two seed or the number three seed. That ain't right, Deadleg. You can't stop it, though. I mean, I understand what you're saying. The, 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 well, you can stop it just by reseeding the bracket, like right. I said. I'm saying the trickle-down effect um, with that. I, I know. But you get into some serious – if you really dig into it, you get into some serious – Issues with bracketing, like just as as one example, um, if it were to happen in the same spot as BYU and BYU had to be moved, BYU can't play on Sundays. And so okay. just, Jerry Palm could figure the whole thing out in an hour. I'm confident the selection committee could too. I, I think it's more complicated than you're giving it credit for. I do. Jerry Palm puts together a bracket every day. Like, it, like it's not hard to just start over. It, like no, you can really no, start over and have it done in a, in a couple of hours. You can, but they also don't want they want they don't want the general public getting a bracket on Sunday night and the and the bracket you have on Wednesday is different for pools and gambling and all that. So they, they have no interest in doing that. I, I I agree. They have no interest in doing it. I'm I am submitting that they should. Okay. Oh, well, you know what? Give Dan Gavin a call. See if you can make it happen. I'm gonna text him right now. <laughs> okay. Hey, we finally know on the doorstep of March. Now we just wait on uh, protocol with Final Four championship game, and I would think that we're going to know that within you know one to two weeks. All right, let's move on. Thursday night uh, was a big night for a pair of Big Ten rivals, namely Michigan and Michigan State. We're going to get into that next, but first, check this out. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's going to take the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period. I'm telling you, this one is a real game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cash back debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. So Thursday night was some kind of night for a pair of Big Ten rivals, Michigan and Michigan State. The Wolverines smashed Iowa 79-57. Spartans upset Ohio State 71-67. It represented the first time ever that Michigan and Michigan State have both beaten AP top 10 teams on the same day. Dead leg between the two. Who had the bigger night, Michigan or Michigan State? 
Michigan State, objectively. I mean, it should be in the field now. And I, I think on the last podcast, I said Michigan State wasn't going to the NCAA tournament, and two days later, I have them in the field. I think I'm, I think I'm with you. Like, I, I was like, Michigan State's path is impossible. And now I'm like, I think they're going to do it. How I mean, I, do, I, I, don't, I don't know that they'll do it. They got, what, four games left? Yes. They have four games left. They Can play. you split them? It's Sunday Correct. at Maryland, Tuesday against Indiana at home, Thursday at Michigan. That's a tough one. Next Sunday against Michigan at home. Keep in mind, according to Kim Palm, at Michigan, they're 14-point underdogs. Against Michigan at home, they're 10-point underdogs. Michigan is a monster right now. Can you split them? And if you do split them, are you on the right side of the bubble heading into the Big Ten tournament? I think probably. Probably, yes. It's way too hazy to forecast with any kind of confidence that if they if they split the next four, if they would for sure be on the right side. But I would lean yes. And then uh, put it this way. If Michigan State wins three more games, no matter where those three come, um, they're probably going to get in the field. As we speak right now, Michigan State has five quad one wins. It's five and eight in the top quadrant. It's two and one in Q2, and then it's got a 6-0 record in the, against the, the lower games that it's played there. It's, it's got to be. That's the bigger... Listen, I don't... I, the Michigan-Iowa game got boring after a while. Hunter Dickinson showed up again. Luca Garza had, I think, only 16 points. Iowa continues to just... You know, fall a little bit short there. Uh, Michigan puts itself. I mean, we have we have three one seeds, and then the fourth one by nature of Michigan State beating Ohio State. I think we have a very interesting race developing for that fourth number one spot. Ohio State still, as we speak this morning, has more quad one wins than anyone in America, but it's now it's racked up six losses. At at some point, you know that that leash is going to run out. Um, if you wanted to make the case for OSU right now to still be the fourth one, uh, I think you have a case. But teams from like Illinois. Houston would have to win out, in my opinion. Alabama, which just took a loss against Arkansas. Maybe Nova, but it, it lacks top-end strength. Uh, Florida State certainly has to be in that mix as well, although um, it's got a Q3 loss. I don't know. The fourth one spot is, is interesting. But for Michigan, I, go ahead. I got it as Ohio State. Like, I had to do the top 25 and one this morning. I yeah. woke up, and, and I've got it. Uh, Gonzaga one, Baylor two, Michigan obviously three. And then... I, you know, if you if you forget, because sometimes people get caught up in this, but they lost last night. Okay, fine. That's but that's what according to the NCAA, losing last night ain't no different than losing two weeks ago. It's right. just like so. If you can forget they lost last night and just look at the resume, Ohio State still got the fourth best resume in the country. The, I, I compare them to Illinois. Both teams have six losses. Five of those six losses come in quadrant one. Similar. Uh, the difference is, and, and and they're similar in quadrant two. And mm-hmm. nobody's got a loss outside of quadrant two. So it comes down to quadrant one. Illinois got seven of those wins. Ohio State's got nine. Iowa State leads the nation in quad one wins. I think Ohio State at this moment would still be the fourth number one seed. Other factors that will come into the committee discussion that matter. Ohio State has seven road wins. Illinois, as of right now, has, has six. When it comes to neutral court uh, results, Illinois is zero and one. Ohio State is one and zero. Not that these are going to flip it totally, but those things, in addition to others and looking at who they've actually played, will matter as well. I'm with you. I would put OSU in the fourth spot. It's just the margin has substantially uh, gotten closer and... You know, Illinois now doesn't have Desumu. We'll see if he comes back this weekend as a masked man and dominating. Here's my last thing on Michigan State. It's 68 in the net, which is weirdly low. Here is, here's where it is in all the team sheet metrics as we speak on this Friday morning. 68 in the net, 
64 in KPI. Now, it's 38 in strength of record. That's a, that's a really good indicator of what it's been able to do against the schedule. Uh, but the predictives are still 66 in BPI, 58 in Ken Palm, and then Sager in 34. So it's got like this weird, crazy disparity, right? How about this disparity? I don't know what's going on here. According to the net, strength of schedule... This is why it's 68, by the way. Not that like strength of schedule shouldn't should mean anything, but it's 142 overall. And uh, what are we doing? 142? Michigan State playing in the I, Big I, Ten? I, it's 12th I, in strength of schedule at Ken Palm. That's what, so for Michigan State fans that are wondering, why can't we keep moving up with these big wins? You are incrementally. I think that is a major, major reason why what's going on here. And I don't have an answer for you, but I think that SOS number is dragging Michigan State down. Now, if you want a little bit of comfort here, I don't believe that that is going to have any impact on whether you get in or not, like where you sit in the net. I think because you've got a couple of metrics that are still treating you well, the committee is watching these games, you've clearly beaten really good teams, you're now in the conversation. I don't think that's going to be the thing that holds you back. I pay attention to basically every number you have referenced in this podcast, except for strength of schedule. I literally never look at it. I have no idea what anybody's strength of schedule is because I don't, I don't value that at all. Um, you know, playing bad games can pull you down where you'd be way better if you just played slightly better games that you'd still win by the same margins. I just find it to be completely flawed. I literally never look at it. Yeah, no, it's... It can it can be used as as a tool to help you assemble w like how your collective schedule has been against others. I've always put a little more weight into it than you, but I'm just telling you it's not going to be something that is going to hold Michigan State back, particularly as it relates to where it sits in the net. I think Sparty fans. Uh, I don't think I know because I've, I've received a, f a, a couple emails and comments on this about, like, what is it? Like, why are we still behind these other teams? Like, Minnesota takes a horrific, horrific Thursday night loss at home to Northwestern. Can't have it. Minnesota's out of the field right now. Flip, take them out and put Michigan State in for all I care. And yet at 13-11, without a road win yet, Minnesota. It's the only team in, like, the top 160 of the net that doesn't have a road win. The only team. They're still 65 in the net. Michigan State is 68. So if that is frustrating you, I understand. It also goes to the fact that we have not even had 50% of what would normally be a non-conference slate. We're at, you know, 845, 846 non-conference games this year. In a normal year, we're just over 2,000. I think those are impacting some teams as well, and I think it's important for the committee to acknowledge this inside the room when they're talking about all of this stuff, when you have, frankly, like potential outliers like Loyola Chicago, which is a great team or potentially a great team, but it's not the 10th best team in America. It's just not. I think it's been able to take advantage of some uh, some some drawbacks with, with scheduling and metrics this year. So just keep that all in mind. Michigan State, in the big picture right now, you and I agree, they have to be in the field. Five quad one wins at this point with no bad losses and beating two teams now that are projected as, you know, four and five on the seed line. Yeah, I'd put them in as of now. They're not safe if they were to lose against Maryland, which would be understandable. They'd probably get, they'd get booted out for the meantime. But it's just funny. I mean, the, where we were with MSU, you've actually come more to my side than you thought you would because you'd have MSU over Duke in right now. I know that to be true. And uh, okay. how quickly okay. that changes. Okay, here's what I would say. I don't know that I would definitely 100% have Michigan State in the field right now. I haven't put pen to paper. I, I do know they're close. And yes, closer than Duke. It was just, it was just a couple of days ago where I was like, I would have Duke ahead of Michigan State and I don't think it's close. Um, 
I might have overstated that if I'm being honest, and because it was probably closer than I um, suggested. But either way, um, it's still close. But I think Michigan State, if you're trying to to list teams as candidates for the NCAA tournament based on the resumes, I think Michigan State is is ahead of Duke right now. I think both have a shot to make the NCAA tournament. I still I still insist that Duke's path is easier, is more realistic. I think, okay, yeah. how about this? Who's closer to the tournament right now, Michigan State or Duke? I, I think it's Michigan State. Who's more likely to make the tournament? I think it's Duke. This I agree with you. I agree with you on, on both of those, yes. Okay, so Michigan State, seven to nine, first two quadrants, zero additional losses, eight of the nine losses are in quadrant one. They got five quadrant one losses. It, it's a nice resume, but, you know, at Maryland is, is tough I mean, you just go by the Kimpom projections. They're supposed to lose at Maryland, lose at Michigan, lose at home to Michigan. They're going to have to be uh, underdog kings to get where they want to go, but there is a path that exists that didn't seem like it would exist not too long ago. As for Michigan, beat Iowa by 22, held them to just 35.6% shooting, smothered Luca Garza, Hunter Dickinson, I don't want to say outplayed him, but certainly posted better numbers, better shooting percentage, more points, rebounds, all of that. And I don't know if you looked at the updated adjusted efficiency margins, but like Gonzaga didn't play well last night. It, well, you know, I, I think they're just getting bored. I think human nature is just set in. This is why Mark Few, or at least it's among the reasons Mark Few used to, when Mark had Gonzaga operate like a monster in the West Coast Conference and John Calipari had Memphis acting like a monster in Conference USA, they would play like in January or February just to like get their guys engaged and test each other because it, it, it's it, on some level fun to beat people by 25 every night, but like it gets boring. Like when I play Mario Kart with my little guy, I, you know, and first, first, first race, I'm like, I'm in it. And the second race, I'm like in it. And then I'm just beating by a million laps seven times in a row. And I'm like, now I'm looking at my phone and trying to drive a cart and not even throwing my bananas. You know, you just lose focus because it's become not, it's unchallenging. And so I think that's what Gonzaga ran into. Still ran by double digits. But to my point, efficiency margins came down. So now Gonzaga is at plus 36.75, Baylor plus 33.11. And Michigan is at plus 32.62. Michigan has almost caught Baylor, and Michigan has created a gap between itself and number four. Number four is Houston. There's a gap of plus, uh, there's a gap of 3.93 between Michigan and Houston. Also, this only one team in the country at this moment, dead leg, is top six in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. You know who it is? Nope. Michigan Wolverines. It's not Gonzaga. It's not Baylor. It is Michigan. Lone loss to that stupid Minnesota team you mentioned. How about this? Minnesota now 2-7 and seven in its past nine. Losers of four straight, as you mentioned, lost last night to Northwestern. So now Minnesota is 6-10 and 10 in the first two quadrants with a quad three loss to Northwestern. The Gophers are for real maybe going to miss the NCAA tournament despite wins over Michigan, Ohio State, and Iowa. How do you miss the NCAA tournament with three wins over top seven Kimpom teams? Like, I doubt that's ever been done. Funky, funky, funky. I listed my eight funkiest resumes on the court report Thursday. Minnesota easily in that mix, and that was before the Northwestern. They're going to try and pull this off. They're going to try and mess around and miss the tournament after maybe giving Michigan its only loss of the regular season. 
Fascinating. They how do you lose? How do you beat Michigan and lose to Northwestern in the same life? Terrible. And Michigan, Minnesota wasn't at full strength. It was missing a couple of key players. That's I don't care. You're at home versus Northwestern. Hadn't won since the day after Christmas. What are we doing? Bad. They they just they might not be able to. That's a vortex they might not be able to escape from. That's it's it's ugly. Sorry. Are you ready to get to the final four in one? Here are our records. All right. After last week, I'm 28 and 26. You got a game on me last week. You're now you're now at 24 and 30. Hashtag fade GP. Make yourself some cheddar here. But remember, you stole a game from me last no, week. No, I didn't steal. I incorrectly gave us a tie when, in fact, I, I, I won the cover and you lost. And a, and a loyal listener that was on top of it, fact-checking, let me know. Stop uh, the steal. Stop the steal. Stop the steal. Is that a movement you, you want to align yourself with that movement with this? <laughs> My movement is okay. strictly as it relates to the final four and one. Okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to storm anything. <laughs> I just wanted to chant a little bit. What do we got? Can you believe those people really stormed the Capitol? How, what, the, what was going on? How, do you, how does that get in your head? You spend too much time on Facebook. Next thing you know, you think it's smart to storm the Capitol. What was going on with it? Like, I, that, I think we've just sort of moved on without – Properly record like that was crazy. <laughs> I don't think we've moved on. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it feels like we haven't properly grasped how nutty that was. I mean, criminal, of course, too, but like just insane. I don't disagree. Saturday, noon Eastern, number three, Michigan at Indiana inside Kelvin Sampson Hall. I decided to name it after Kelvin. Yeah. Second greatest coach in Indiana history? Yeah. You can watch it on Fox, Michigan minus eight. Would it not be the most Indiana thing to win this game? I mean, come on, they didn't beat Michigan. There's nobody, <laughs> I, I don't, the Michigan, Michigan is a machine right now. Indiana lost to Rutgers. Trace Jackson Davis is like a second team All American and it's going to waste. Uh, can't put you cannot put somebody on an NIT team in the second team All American. He's been really good. I know, I know. Um, all right, I'll take Michigan. I'm gonna take them. I don't want to take them here. I want to take Indiana. You said eight. It's Michigan minus eight inside Kelvin Hams- Kelvin Sampson Hall. Now I'm taking Indiana. I'm taking Indiana. Cover the eight. Yeah, give me the Hoosiers. Hoosiers. No, the yep. Michigan beats. Everybody's brains in. You heard them, people. They you, be, they beat people's brains in. You know what to do. Indiana is now eight and ten in the first two quadrants with a quad three loss to Northwestern. Hoosiers are one and three in their past four. You know, Archie Miller went to the NCAA tournament four times in six years at Dayton, made the Elite Eight famously. He's on the verge of maybe entering year five at Indiana with zero NCAA tournament appearances, though, in fairness. He might have made it last season if we would have had an NCAA tournament. Dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. That's right. I think they would have made it last year, but we didn't get it. Dan Walken tweeted earlier, or my buddy from USA Today, he said that the Archie Miller era has been a, quote, disaster. Has it been a disaster? It's it, certainly been wildly disappointing, but it's been a disaster? Not, not been a disaster. Hasn't been. A, now, <laughs> there are Indiana fans listening there saying, Shut the hell up, Norlander. But it's not been a disaster. That's That would be overstating it. It has been a disappointment and underwhelming. But there's still time. There's still time this season to make it happen. It's got to start Saturday. 
Indiana covers. It's covering ain't gonna be good enough to get them where they're trying to go. Nope. They got they got to win the game outright. Good luck. You know, Tom Crean inherited a situation fifty thousand times worse than the situation he left Archie Miller. And Tom went to the Sweet Sixteen in year four at Indiana. He he, won, he won the first of two outright Big Ten titles in year five. He did. You ready to call it a disaster? I'm actually not. I agree no. with you. I'm just I'm just being goofy right now, yeah. but. I, I am. This is the most surprising man. It's not working out higher of the past however many years for me. I because the, the other part of Dan Wilkins' tweet was Archie checked every box like to be successful. There was no you, you couldn't come up with a good reason why Archie Miller wouldn't be successful at Indiana. And it's just like it's just it hasn't worked so far. He is right now thirty three and forty one in Big Ten games as Indiana's coach. And unless he upsets Michigan on Saturday, he'll be 33 and 42. I would have never in a million years thought that would be his reality. They're on the bubble right now. Um, I don't know um, that they have to beat Michigan. In fact, I know they don't have to beat Michigan to ultimately make the uh, NCAA tournament, but it, it, they, they need they need wins and they need to avoid losses. And uh, this is a basketball game that's going to, end in either a win or a loss. I don't know if m- many people recognize that no, exactly. Just Basketball games have to end either in a win or a loss. Let them know. Unless it's a Sweet 16 game, then it can just be a no contest. That's right. See? <laughs> game two, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number 11, Florida State at North Carolina, inside the Leaky Black Center. You can watch it on ESPN, Florida State, minus two. All right, so we're not going with Hall of Fame criteria here. Don't don't have to be removed from the program for a certain amount of time to get an arena named after you. It's, it's leaky black. Okay, I'm fine with it. Listen, parameters need to be set and and acknowledged so the public understands what we're doing here. So I name these arenas however I want. Some of them are. Just terrible, by the way. Some of, them, some, of, some of them are great, but Kelvin Sampson, um, what are we doing here? Come on. I feel, like, I feel like as the Archie Miller era isn't going well, the best way to highlight that is that they fired the second greatest coach in Indiana history. By the way, if you're an Indiana fan listening, I have no idea if that's actually true. I'm just saying it. So don't tweet me like, well, you, you, what about? No, please tweet him. I'm just saying it, okay? They fired him for text messaging. You know what I, uh, I know it's completely ridiculous. Hey, you know what I almost did for the podcast, but I didn't have time. <laughs> so Roy Williams, we'll get back to FSU UNC. Roy Williams has this, this post game comment walk off and it gets replayed all, you know, all Wednesday night, Thursday. And the reporter, I apologize. I don't know who asked the question. Um, but the reporter basically, he sets up the question and goes, Roy, what would you say to fans that say you shouldn't have scheduled this game? What I wanted to do, I didn't have time to do it, and then I might as well give it up. I was going to actually doctor it and and have it uh, and then play it for you here and basically say, Roy, what would you say to Gary Parrish, who said you shouldn't have? Because because listen, here's the deal: not one person criticized Carolina before that game was played that they shouldn't play Marquette. So it absolutely is 2020 is hindsight kind of deal criticism. Not one. I didn't see one person say what is Carolina doing right. And so, yeah, they lose the game. There is no benefit to beating a Marquette like that, but the criticism wasn't there before the result came in. That is fair. I, that's why when I tweeted, 
couple nights ago, I put it's Monday morning quarterback, and I acknowledge because I don't want people saying, where, where did you say this before? Because I didn't say it before. But let me be clear. I only didn't say it before because I didn't even think about it. Like, I just it's so far off my radar. I didn't even care. But, but like, it was dumb then, and it, it became undeniably dumb after the result. Like, like, you know, the question was asked, and by the way, I love when people ask questions like that. Like, what would you say to the people? And it's really like, here's what I think. I want to know how you responded. Like, I promise you, I don't know who the reporter was either. I promise you the reporter was like, why'd you schedule this stupid game? And it's like, Roy, what would you say to the Carolina fans who are, that's a, that's a, 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 a it's a tool. A lot of people use. Yes. I mean, I've used it. I'm sometimes, because, well, sometimes it's legitimate. There is a general sense of discontentment or whatever from the general public. And so you ask a coach or a player to address that. Yeah. But it's just easier to put it that way than it is to say, why did you schedule this stupid game? Right. So um, Roy answers it, and he says, well, if I'd have known we were going to lose it, I wouldn't have scheduled the doggone game. I'm not sure if he said doggone, but he might have. And, um, like, I, I thought he like, – okay, fine. That's a perfectly reasonable answer. I would not have scheduled this if I thought we are going to lose it. But here's the truth. Losing was always a possibility. I mean, it's a 40-minute college basketball game. Like, losing is always on the table. So before you sc- – it is late February. North Carolina's on the bubble, and you add a midweek game that can only hurt you. That's what they did. They added a midweek game that could only hurt them. If you win it, it's a quad three win. Jerry Palm didn't even look at it. If you lose it, it's a quad three loss. Now you got problems. In fact, before that game tipped off, North Carolina was in Jerry Palm's bracket. Soon as the game went final, loss. North Carolina was out of Jerry Palm's bracket. They voluntarily put a landmine in front of them that didn't have to be there. Why would you do that? That's what quad three games are for bubble teams. They're landmines. They can't help you at all. They can only hurt you. So imagine like you're actually like in a field with landmines. And, there, and there's, no. there's, there's, it's, it's a Gold, tough spot. Goldeneye, Goldeneye, yeah. The Remote tough mines. spot. Yeah. It's a tough spot. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but like it happens. So you got four. Somebody says, you got to go down this road here. You got four landmines. And you say, you know what? Could you put one more down for me? They'd be, oh, what? You want, you've got four. You got to navigate those four. Yeah, just throw another one down. You don't get points for avoiding the landmine. You just get blown up if you hit it. So what, like, I don't, I, I again, I, it was, um, it was, and I know what Roy would say. I just wanted my kids to play. You know, yes. this was a game we could get. And, um, you know, I was willing to, to take on whatever risk came with that. And that's what he would say. And to that, I would say, fine. But before you schedule, a, if you just decide, I want my kids to play, we're going to get a game no matter what. You call every team that would create a quad one opportunity for you first. And you call every team that would create a quad two opportunity for you second. And if it gets to a point where you say, GP, we were going to play no matter what. I promise you, we tried to schedule every quad one opportunity we could. Nobody would come. We tried to schedule every quad two opportunity we could. Nobody would come. I was committed to playing, so this is the best we could do. Maybe I'll go, okay, I still wouldn't have done it, but like, at least you were thinking the right way. But I'm confident they didn't try, to, they didn't try every quad one opportunity and every quad two opportunity. And if not, that's a, that's a mistake. It doesn't mean Roy Williams should be fired. Roy Williams is amazing. He's a Hall of Fame coach with three titles. But that was a mistake. It was a mistake, and it was a 
you know, you, you put a mine down. You ever do uh you ever do a little golden eye by the way? Is that, I don't know was, golden eye. I mean, I'm aware of that it's uh, I'm aware of its existence, but I never participated. Come on, remote mines in the caves multiplayer? If Those are the days. I had any idea what you were talking about, uh, I would acknowledge it. This is not something I would lie to you about. My history of uh, golden eye. Man with the golden gun in the facility. These these are these are some times, man. I this I'm you you mentioned What system was that on? N64. Ah, come on, man. This is how we know I, you're listen. It's, this is where I start aging myself a little bit, right? Significantly. Yeah, significantly. like you want to talk about you want to talk about Metroid? No. I can talk about Metroid with you. You want to talk about a uh, No shot. Excite Bike? I do remember Excite Bike. That is that is a good enough pull that might go in the no context. That is a that is a good enough pull that I think uh yeah, I might I, I might have to knock Dan Walken out of this con. That Excite Bike is a great, great, great throwback. Okay, uh, as for the game, on Mario Kart they have an Excite Bike track. You can race Mario Kart on Excite Bike track. I love it. It's my I favorite love that. one. That's good stuff. Um, all right, let's get to the game here. Um, what game are we even talking? Florida about? State and the UNC. I, there's no way I'm taking the, the Tar Heels. There's just no shot. Florida State is rolling. Has one loss in uh, 2021 uh, to none other than uh, Thick Josh Passner on the road by 11 points. <laughs> Who? Thick Josh Passner. Why do you call him Thick Josh Passner? The IC, T-H-I-C-C. He's thick. He's Thick Josh Passner. That's what he is. Come on now. Come on. Is that, that seems like an insult. No, no. He's, he's thick. He's good. He's like good. You call Megan the Stallion thick. You don't call Josh Passner Josh, thick. That, no, listen. That is, uh, that is the, the co-host of the other College Hoops spot I do. College Sports Now, if you're unaware. He is a Stephen Hartzell. He is a huge Jackets fan. So we spend an inordinate amount of time talking about thick Josh Passner and the Yellow Jackets, maybe, which are maybe in. not Maybe not promote your other podcast. On I the, promote on this one on that one, and I'll promote that one on this one. So uh, thick Megan Josh the, Passner. Megan the Stallion is thick, though, boy. Okay, there we go. So I'm going to take FSU to win this. Easily, I can't believe the line's only two. Yeah, let's get going. Knowles win going away. UNC's got some issues. It would be just like North Carolina to offset its quad three loss. It's unnecessary quad three loss with a quad one win over Florida State. But I want to do it. I want to do it, dead leg. Do it. I want to take the Tar Heels inside Leaky Black Center. I ain't stopping you. I think I'm going to do it. I, a, I need to be opposite of you, and B, I just think it would be the funnier story. North Carolina uh, uh, in, uh, injects a quad three loss into its arm for no reason, and then uh, and then uh, upsets Florida State to add a quad one win. Okay, so that's what I'm taking. I'm taking UNC, but Florida State, do you realize this? Now got a two-game lead in the ACC standings in the loss column. Only two coaches since 2002. I'd hit you with a trivia time, but I feel like we've talked about this before. Only two coaches since 2002 have won back-to-back ACC titles. One's Roy Williams. One is Tony Bennett. Leonard Hamilton probably about to become the third. He's not on the door, and I think that he gets basically there in effect on Saturday with the win. What do we got next? Game three, Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, number two, Baylor. At number 17, Kansas, inside TJ Gasnola Fieldhouse. You can watch it on ESPN. Baylor, minus six. Baylor's going to lose. Kansas is going to win this game. This is senior night for oh, Kansas. No. Last game of the it season, by the way, for Kansas if it doesn't reschedule. How about this, though? How about this? Just a thought. Arizona, no postseason. I think it's supposed to play its last game of the season this weekend, too. Kansas got all this time before the Big 12 tournament. Can we get Can we get a true TJ Gaston special? Can we get Kansas-Arizona to play each other? Because Is Kansas going to want to sit around for 14, not 14 days, but like for 10 days before it plays again? Get Kansas versus Arizona... TJ Gasnola special, play it, uh, 
and and you have and you and you have no fans. It's limited capacity. Only one fan can go, and it's Larnell. Correct. Let's go. Let's go. I'd love to see if that could happen. They, I wonder if Kansas, they have room for one more game. So if you're going to do it, Arizona, I think, wants another game. It can't play in the postseason. So, hey, just a thought there. Kansas is going to win this game. Baylor's going to take his first loss of the season. And no shame in that. No shame in that. Baylor barely beat Iowa State at home. It's gotten, you know, three, four practices in after basically the entire team seemingly was wiped out by COVID. We still don't even know if everyday John is going to be available for this one. KU's looking good as of late. Um, this is a straight-up pick here with, with Kansas getting the game on its home floor. Senior night, they allow some fans into that building. That's a, that's a big-time uh, big time advantage, in my opinion. Yeah, here we go. Baylor, it ends Saturday. They're done. KU wins. That is disrespectful. That is so disrespectful to the Drews. Is it? it most notably, Kelly Drew, first lady of... Baylor basketball, but also Scott, McKenzie, Peyton, and Brody. Is that right? Not to mention Homer and Janet mm. and Bryce and Tara. Bryce doesn't care. He does. Definitely. Dana and her husband, Casey, Bryce and Anna, Isaiah, Caleb, and Luke. He's very disrespectful to the Drews. Plus Drew Barrymore, Drew Carey, Drew Brees, Drew Bledsoe, Dr. Drew, Drew Gooden, Drew McIntyre, every Drew walking this earth except Drew Timmy. Kansas, 77, Baylor, 74. Now, I'm already in for like a three-pack of Pequods. I, 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 I'm, I'm pot committed with Baylor at this point. Yeah, you I'm are. pot committed with Baylor. So I was Googling like Baylor, Kansas stuff last night. Um, remember when it was a thing that built, that Scott Drew had lost more times than Alan Fidel's and Bill Self? Yes, I do remember that. I do. <laughs> that was like an actual amazing thing. Amazing. In February 2017. After Kansas beat Baylor inside Allen Fieldhouse for the millionth time, Bill Self's record inside Allen Fieldhouse was 217 and 9, and Scott Drews was 0 and 10. That is incredible. It is incredible. 217 and 9 for Bill. Scott Drew 0 and 10. <laughs> Scott Drew had legit lost more times inside Allen Fieldhouse than Bill Self, even though he had coached 216 fewer games in the building. Scott lost his first 12 games at Allen Fieldhouse, but he won there last season. And that was Baylor's first ever win at, at Allen Fieldhouse. Even Bill Henderson didn't win at Allen Fieldhouse. Nope. Went to two Final Fours, never won at Allen Fieldhouse. Think about that for a second. Mind-blowing. So now, so now Scott's 1-12 at Allen Fieldhouse, and Baylor is 1-17 all time. You've been disrespectful to the Bears. This is still the second. But oh, I'm sorry they didn't perform well after they were in isolation for three weeks. You don't need to apologize, Baylor. Baylor, this is tough for me because I've been ride or die with Kansas too. No, put yourself in a tough spot. You pick the game, so this is like having to pick between my two kids. Except I have three. Okay, that. But I could pick between my three kids if you made me. We don't need to go down that road. All right, I just don't understand why people say that. They're like, ah, you know, I. Um, I, I, oh, I could never rank my kids. I'm like, I could rank my kids right now. I could, I, if I could rank 26 basketball teams, I could surely rank my kids. You want to know the order? I, I'm good. <laughs> Game four, Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number nine, Iowa at number four, Ohio State inside Michael Conley Arena. Biggest snub of the all-star game so far. Top 10 and real plus minus. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network, network of stars. 
Ohio State minus one. This is on David Lighty Court, just so we are clear. This it's Michael Conley Arena. On David Lighty Court. The Lighty Grizzlies Court. franchise leader in points. He leads an NBA. There's only 30 NBA franchises, and one of them is led in points by Michael Conley. I believe David Lighty still holds the record for most Division I college games played ever, just so you know. Shouts yeah, to David they, Lighty. Only, only because they took all those games away from Antonio Anderson. That's that might be true. I, I, I that be true. Man, once you have to vacate a whole season, it just yeah, messes your game play thing up. Uh there's gonna be an annoyed fan base after this one, considering these teams just took losses Thursday. Uh, Ohio State's lost two in a row. That's true. I mean, like Ohio yeah. State is a projected one seed that could be on a three three game losing streak comes come by the time sixty minutes starts. I gotta take OSU in this spot. I just can't. Ohio State's offense can perform at the same level as Iowa. Now, this is this might be first to 90 wins. It could be a very entertaining game. I will take the Buckeyes. Last note here, by the way. Listen, Jason Benetti is a wonderful play-by-play announcer. He's very smart. He is, he is so whip-smart that he might have even been aware of what we are doing. Chris Holtman gets tossed from this game on Thursday night with like six seconds to go, and Benetti goes, you got to give Chris Holtman credit. It was unbelievable. Did you hear him say that? I did not hear him say yeah. that. I was busy being a television there star. There you go. Um, he goes, you got to give Chris Holtman credit. He's standing up for his guys. Chris Holtman got credit on Thursday night for losing at Michigan State bubble team and getting tossed out of the game. It was a phenomenal it. moment. He deserved it. He deserved it. I don't know what to do with this. Um, both teams are terrific offensively. Neither one can guard. I mean, it really might be 91-90. Iowa is more likely, first off, Ohio State's little. Yeah, I know. The smallest team in the Big Ten. They're like you. Ohio State, They're like they, you. Might be too, they might be too little. Not lying too little, though, right? I don't, I think, that, I think we might have a wrong team favorite situation here. Oh, boy. It could be a wrong team favorite situation. Ohio State's too little. Luca Garza? Luca Garza just got pushed around a little bit by Hunter Dickinson. You, th- you think he's going to let that happen two days in a row? Two games in a row? That's a, that's, a, that's a leading candidate for National Player of the Year. His biggest competition got a broken nose. It's true. Do it. I think Ohio State might be too little. Do it. If Hunter Dickinson can do that to Ohio State last weekend, what is Luca Garza going to do? And Iowa's more capable of, like, just bombing you, like, you know, 13-3, something like that. I think we got a wrong team favorite situation here. I'm taking the Iowa Hawkeyes, the Iowa Hawkeyes on America's Most Watched Network. All right. We disagree again. By the way, Parrish and I will be on HQ. On, I'll be on HQ all day Saturday. Parrish will be on a little with me. And then Sunday, we're going to be, I mean, by the time we have to podcast on Sunday night, we're going to be like, cool. What can we say to each other? We'll figure it out. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of, a lot of FaceTime with we, each other, GP. We, we might just talk about Megan the Stallion. I can let you lead that discussion if you'd like there. Reminder, CBS Sports HQ on any streaming device that you could possibly want. Hey, pregame, halftime, postgame, we got it. Enjoy. You will. Uh, it will enhance your weekend experience. Here's my, here's my deal before we get out of here. Um, it is a very significant weekend, obviously, with bubble teams. I'm not going to run them all down. Go to CBSSports.com. Be sure to check it out. Um, there is a number of them that will uh, tie into teams that are either just in, just out, Duke's going to host Louisville at uh, 6 o'clock on Saturday night. That's a 
must win for Duke, certainly in that kind of situation there. Um, Xavier hosts Creighton at home. That's a big spot for Xavier to try and get a win there. I think VCU will be a lock if it wins at Davidson. I think Georgia Tech hosting Syracuse noon on Saturday is also a significant one. My game is going to be a CBS Sports Network game on Saturday between two teams that I think are going to both eventually get in, but I think the winner here becomes a lock. So 4 o'clock, CBS Sports Network. Boise State at San Diego State. That's on Xavier Thames Court. Aztecs minus six after they just won Thursday night at home against the Broncos in OT. Pulled away late. Who you got? My favorite pair of shorts are Boise State shorts. I know. you've met, This is like the sixth time you've mentioned this. I mentioned everything six times. I know. Sometimes six times right in a row. That's right. <laughs> so on one hand, I got my Boise State shorts. On the other hand, these are my Aztecs. I don't know if I can pick against my Aztecs. Then don't. I feel like I'm not going to pick against my Aztecs. Boise State's been, like, lost two at Nevada. Mm-hmm. Lost at Colorado State. Boise State is one, two, three, four, one and four in its past four road games. Boise State is not road warriors. You're, a, you're acting like Boise State might be road warriors, but they're not. Has one on the road against BYU. And you're going to downplay the fact that they took out Wyoming in a twofer in early January. But that if you do that, you do you. I ain't going to stop. I said one and four in their past five. Okay. I can't pick against my ass. You've always hated Leon Rice. That's the thing. That's just not true. Leon Rice is responsible for my Boise State shorts. <laughs> I'm going to take Boise State just so you're aware. I'm, I'm riding the Broncos. I'm, I got Broncos warriors. straight up, okay? Straight. They're not road warriors. They're not road warriors. But it would, the best thing for the Mountain West would be for these teams to split, for Boise State to win this game. Easily, for sure. You own Aztecs? I mean, this is always... They're, they're my Aztecs. They are. And and the, and you know what We know what I love is that the San Diego State fans have always appreciated you. You know what? It's It's... It's the way, like, every morning I wake up and my mentions are filled with positive energy from San Diego State fans. The only... <laughs> actually, San Diego State fans, I, I, I muted so many of them, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Now it's all New York Knicks fans. Okay. My mentions every morning of New York Knicks fans. Do you know that story? No. Yes or no? No. Oh, my God. So, on draft night, I'm on CBS Sports HQ, and I'm having to give oh, grades. Now I know the story. I'm having to give grades on every pick. So it's like, in with the third pick, the Charlotte Hornets take LaMelo Ball. I'm like, that's an A+. I think they just got the best player in the draft with the third pick. And, oh, by the way, by the way, who was right about that? LaMelo's about to be Rookie of the Year. Easy. So I'm doing that for every pick. And it's like, with the 25th pick in the draft, the New York Knicks select Emmanuel quickly. And I'm like, and, and like, you know, it's Amanda Guerrero, and she's like, like coming right at you. Okay, GP, what do we got? And I'm like, uh, I actually do that. Uh, that's my hesitation of like, uh, I don't really want to do this. But like, this is like 30 spots higher than I would take Emmanuel quickly. And so I actually say that D plus, because I think this is like 30 spots higher than I would take Emmanuel quickly. And I said, and I said, now to be clear, I don't mind an NBA team having Emmanuel quickly as a reigning SEC player of the year. He shot 42% from three-point range. But with the 25th pick, I just don't know that you had to do that here. It is – Emmanuel quickly has been way worth the 25th pick in the draft. He's been great, all right? But I still don't know if I was wrong that you didn't have to do it at 25. Maybe, maybe you did. I don't know. I don't think so. 
so the, the 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 core of what I said is actually it holds up pretty well, even if the manual quickly is exceeding all expectations. The problem is that there is also a written while I do this, uh, <laughs> while I say what I'm saying, somebody else is typing a short comment into something that lives on CBSSports.com, sort of paraphrasing what I said, and it doesn't perfectly summarize what I actually said with the entire context. So now there's a story. Emmanuel Quickly's got the Gary Parish blurb that was on CBSSports.com saved in his photos on his phone. It's like his homepage on his phone. <laughs> Except I didn't actually say what is typed there in that without – I said it with context. Mm-hmm. And so New York Knicks fans. You're never living they, it down. I actually am not – like if you play the audio of what I said, I don't apologize for it. I, I still think the audio holds up fine even if Emmanuel Quickly is way better than I or anybody else thought he would be. And by the way, I'm happy for him. By, like, by all accounts, he's an awesome young guy. So like, I, I don't uh, regret his success. I root for him. Uh, but yeah, Knicks fans are in my mentions all day long. Like I put a post on Instagram about my oldest son getting accepted to Emory. And <laughs> a Knicks fan jumped on it and put D+. That's excellent. <laughs> Excellent, excellent troll. A Knicks fan graded my son as a D plus. <laughs> that's wonderful. It's been tough. That's man. great trolling, truly. That's well. That's extremely well done. Who are you taking? Take this game and wrap this pod. My Aztecs. All right, we're done. The you Boise, done. Boise State's not Road Warriors, Norlander. They're not Road Warriors. I give you. I give your pick of Boise State a D plus. You get a D plus with your Boise State pick. Shouts to Devin Dowdy. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M F and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast once again in the middle of the dumbest, I mean, it's idiotic, idiotic pandemic of my life. i never seen one like this, Norlander. i never seen one like this. I have 44 years I've been on this planet. i never seen one like this. It's, it, it, now we got these variants. Like variants? I got to deal with variants. I'm a fully vaccinated man. Now I got to deal with variants. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Do that. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night. Till then, take care. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.